Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, "The Wood" by H.P. Lovecraft. This is first published in uh, uh, it's not a fanzine. They're called uh, Amateur Journalism uh, uh, magazines. Uh, called the Tryout, uh, issue two. Uh, January 1929, and it was not published under Lovecraft's name then. It was uh, uh, as by L. Theobald Jr., and uh, the L stands for Lewis. Um, but I, I was just looking up before. I, I'd, I'd known that he'd used this pseudonym, pseudonym before, but when I typed in uh, L. Theobald Jr., I got a, a real person who, whose you know, grave shows up, uh, born... 1929 died 2014 i'm like what <laughs> no but that oh. was that was leo theobald jr um i'm not sure why he used that particular uh pseudonym but he he used a, quite a few pseudonyms but that was one of his most common ones when he was in amateur journalism um he would often give people um pseudonyms in his letters to them um and you know it was a kind of a fun little game that he was playing. But uh, the version we're reading it out of is uh, where it was republished in Weird Tales in September 1938. And um, I think it's a pretty wonderful little poem, and I would love for you to read it to us, and then maybe we can discuss it. My pleasure, Jesse. The Wood by H.P. Lovecraft. They cut it down, and where the pitch-black aisles of forest night had hid eternal things, they scaled the sky with towers and marble piles to make a city for their revelings. White and amazing to the lands around, that wondrous wealth of domes and turrets rose, crystal and ivory sublimely crowned with pinnacles that bore unmelting snows. And through its halls the pipe and sistrum rang while wine and riot brought their scarlet stains. Never a voice of elder marvel sang, nor any eye called up the hills and plains. Thus down the years till on one purple night, a drunken minstrel in his careless verse spoke the vile words that should not see the light and stirred the shadows of an ancient curse. Forests may fall, but not the dusk they shield. So on the spot where that proud city stood, the shuddering dawn no single stone revealed but fled the blackness of a primal wood. So um, I, re I read this uh, years ago, and uh, every once in a while I will, uh, when I got a new student and I'm wanting to throw some high-level vocab words at him, I, uh, I'll dig this one out. And I hadn't I thought about it that much until, I guess, um, back in March, um, I, I did it one more time with a student and then I, I did a little drawing, uh, of each sort of seeing, seeing the landscape. Uh, first there was this primal wood 
And it's, it's, I'll just read that part again. They cut it down, and where the pitch black aisles of forest night had hid eternal things, they scaled the sky with towers and marble piles to make a city for their relics. So that's actually not the first image. The first image is the pitch black aisles, right? There is this, as in chronologically, there was a forest. Then they cut it down. I think we should make sure that. I'm sorry. The aisles is A I S L E S. It's 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 openings. It's not I S L E S for those mm-hmm. who are only listening. And they're interesting because they're they're uh, essentially, you know, when you go to the uh, grocery store and you say it's on aisle six or it's in aisle six, and you go down to aisle six, uh, the aisle A I S L E is. Uh, similar to the sound of aisle, I-S-L-E. And <laughs> so the aisle is the opening, right? The With the A. But the aisle with an I is the thing where you will find your your uh, jam or cereal <laughs> or whatever. And so in walking, uh, in poems, um, and in walking through a forest, um, if you can get a certain angle, you can see it looks like trees line up, Sometimes, especially if you've got tall pines or something like that, right? Or cedars. They go straight up for a while. And then you can line them up. But unless they're planted by human beings, they tend to not do that. So is this an artificial forest in the first place or not? But it's a picture of a forest. And then it's cut down. Chronologically, it's cut down and replaced with this city. And at the final image, we have the rising of the sun revealing the forest is returned. So I was like, this is pretty simple. That's, that's what I was saying to my students. You know, it seems pretty simple. But inside of this simple history of a, of a space, uh, some part of the Earth's landscape is actually a story of of a curse that's not in the trees but in what is hidden in the earth and somebody says something that is never revealed that causes this and i was thinking what well, what is this what does this mean exactly um i think it's sort of a, a philosophy that lovecraft has always talking about which is uh, deep time and the age of the universe and the fact that the earth is very very old but um it's also about civilization and what mistakes we can make and i so i i asked the students what what is the thing that they said that causes the the city to go and they don't always have the same answer but uh we we can think of lots of things that might cause problems what what did you make of this when i sent it to you because i didn't say any of this to you (laughs) i thought it was terrific um i think that it is among other things a poem about poetry it is and it is a poem about the relationship between human nature and nature it asks ultimately that we consider the the temporal intervention of humanity in in the world 
against the atemporal reality of the universe. It is ultimately, I think, a platonic poem. Um, but none of those words that I've just been using sound much like what you and your students have been discussing. Well, I'm talking. Uh, I'm talking to little kids mostly. You know, these are right. eleven-year-olds. But um, I, I have it chronologically long ago. Forest people, no forest. And then, like, they did something in the city, like press the nuclear button, <laughs> right? And then nothing. And now today, forest again. And uh, I, I illustrate this in, in, to my students. I say, you know, I went to a city in Guatemala called Tikal, which is a forest, uh, you know, it's in the middle of a jungle. Um, and in the early 20th century, uh, some people went into the forest and started doing ex archaeological excavations and have uncovered this city. And it is now a destination for tourists to go and visit this recovered, uncovered city that was and is still being uncovered. There are pyramids that, you know, go steeply up into the, into the sky above this jungle that are covered in jungle. And then at the very top, they've uncovered that and they're restoring the stones and they're digging up the uh, archaeological stuff and putting it in the nearby museum. What happened here? The jungle has taken back over. It wasn't nukes, but if we think of how we, our cities, your city, Eric, and my city, uh, will look this exact landscape in uh, a million years, it won't look like uh, you know uh, it does today. And it would be surprising if there was a city there at all, because that's not that's not the history of humanity. I, I hear what you're saying, and I understand. And I, I, I think that that's a, a possible reading of this poem, but it's not my reading. Because I don't think that the city has, I don't think that the forest has grown back. Um, I think that we are the day after the night when the minstrel for whatever reason, whether it's accidental or not, is not made clear, speaks the words that should not see the light. Mm -hmm. The very next day, the shuddering dawn sees no single stone revealed, but fled, that is, the dawn flees, the blackness of a primal wood. It is a primal wood that in the first stanza what, what we see in the first stanza, the forest night, mm -hmm. the forest night had hid eternal things. The eternal things, I think, include the primal wood. The, the actual sublunary forest on the real world that we all share, that they were able to cut down to make room for, and in some parts, materials for the building of their city. That sublunary forest had hid the eternal things, which include the primal wood. And when the curse is spoken, when those words are spoken that bring the curse back, the thing that had restrained the eternal, bla the blackness of the primal wood 
it's no longer restrained. Mm -hmm. So the city goes away and that blackness comes back. Not another forest, but the blackness comes back. It's the blackness mm -hmm. of a primal wood that had been hid by an actual wood. Um, I, that's you're, what you're, I mean. You're 100% right. That, 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 I, I'm just doing as an analogy. So I would go exactly to what you're saying, that the colors. So in the first stanza, it's, uh, it's the pitch black aisles, right, that yes. had hid eternal things. Uh, when we look at the city, it is uh, crystal and ivory, which is clear and white with pinnacles that bore unmelting snows. Well, that's clearly well, unnatural, right? The, no, no, no. It just tells you how high the pinnacles oh, are. Oh, the top of Mount Everest always has snow. Indeed. Uh, indeed. But this is, this is uh, a city. And yes, it could be that uh, the, their towers are so high that they are uh, not subject to melting. But mm -hmm. it's also a white city that is a marvel to the lands around, right? Amazing. Yes. White and amazing to the lands around. And that is in contrast to the blackness that we, is there that's hidden by the, the wood. And that's the title of the story. It's not the city, right? So when it comes back again and this, the scarlet stains, um, what happens in, in the city when he says these wrong words in his drunken revelry, uh, we don't know what those consist of, but what we do know is it brings back a curse that stirs the shadows and makes the darkness come again. And so it, it's a, it is about the earth under the forest. The wood that is cut down is hiding the, the blackness in the dust. Whatever the dust, we we can make guesses about what that means. And Go for I'm it. still saying it. I'm still saying it as two different ontological realms. As you say, the poem is called "The Wood." Mm -hmm. The word "wood" is, in fact, it occurs only once in the poem, and it's the last word. It is. It's not a wood that was cut down. It is a forest that was cut down. And when the forest is cut down, then one sees the blackness of a primal wood. So the forest, which can grow and be cut and grow and be cut, that's all part of history. That's, that's a part of an Aristotelian world in which things have beginnings and middles and ends. But the primal wood, that's a platonic wood. That's a wood that simply has blackness. And it's a blackness that people do not see because they're involved in all of their revelings. They're involved, whether that scarlet, um, whether that scarlet stain is, is uh, moral or simply drunkenness. Um, I don't know. I th have the feeling that the poem is suggesting, the poet is suggesting, that not to attend to the platonic reality of the universe we inhabit is one of the fundamental flaws of human nature. And so that stain is a moral stain. It's not just the wine. They cut down the forest and that, and they didn't notice the blackness there because no one had yet spoken the words that would bring that curse back. 
Notice in that line, it stirred the shadows of an ancient curse. Mm -hmm. Sight, shadows, blackness, curse, voice. Again and again in this poem, color and sight is associated almost synesthetically with words. Mm -hmm. So right, white and amazing, right? Um, the lands, the wondrous wealth of domes, crystal and ivory with pinnacles that bore unmelting snows, all sight. And through its halls, the pipe and sistrum rang, sounds. Mm -hmm. And the pipe and the sistrum are both ancient, ancient instruments, both very simple. Mm -hmm. right? So never a voice of elder marvel sang, right? nor any eye called up the hill or plains. Sight and voice joined together again and again. Sometime a minstrel is blind drunk, and I use that word advisedly, blind drunk, and so he utters a careless, that is a ver he's not thinking about it, mm -hmm. a careless verse. Those vile words that should not see the light. So words and light come together again. These are platonic forms. That's exactly what Plato called these eternal things. He called them ideas, mm -hmm. right? And what's going on here is that the primal wood has a blackness to it, which had been hidden, not just by the forest, but by whatever power had restrained it in creating the possibility for the forest. But then there was an incantation, either moral or accidental, and the careless minstrel speaks a verse which suddenly releases that primal wood, the, excuse me, the blackness. That blackness is so potent that dawn itself flees from it. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% with you. It's synesthesia. And it's, it's as if it's saying, in our world, we don't realize the eternal verities. We don't realize the platonic world we live in. But we should, because were that world not restrained, we could speak one careless word and all would be destroyed. Indeed. And uh, I want to I wanna talk about what's going on in the city and and how the the only character that's even hinted at is is this careless minstrel, drunken minstrel. Um, it starts with the word they. We don't know who they are. We can presume <laughs> that they are the people who scale the sky with their towers, right? Makes sense that it's the same they. They mm -hmm. build this city. And it's, in, in the lands around are observing the city as white and amazing. It doesn't say the people outside the city observe the city. It says the lands around, white and amazing to the lands around, that wondrous wealth of domes and turrets, rose, and I love that rose is also a color, crystal mm. and ivory, sublimely crowned, and so we're getting a sense of this is a kingdom, with pinnacles that bore on melting snows. Well, that matches what we would see in a landscape. But here it's not. It's artificial. It's a city. And through its halls, the pipes and sistrum rang while wine and riot brought their scarlet stains. Never a voice of the elder marvel sang. So this line at the end of that stanza, the third stanza, is actually interesting because 
why would we expect an I to call? We wouldn't. But this is the people of the city are not focused on anything outside of their city. They only care about wine and riot, pipe and sistrum. The riots bring scarlet stains of blood. The wine brings scarlet stains of careless drinking. They are partying. And that's where we get at the end of the first stanza's uh, last line, to make the city for their reveling. This is a party city. They don't care about stuff outside the city. They don't care about the history of the earth that they're sitting on. They don't care about anything. The whole purpose of the city is to look awesome and be party city. Then, thus down the years, till one purple night, well, uh, when I do my drawings of night, I always make the sky purple. Um, (laughs) But that's not a normal thing. (laughs) I know this. Purple is the royal color, going back with that crowning uh, pinnacles, right? Um, A drunken minstrel. Who does the minstrel play for? For some rich people. In his careless verse spoke the vile words that should not see the light. Who is saying it should not see the light? Not the people of the city. It wasn't something they did that they all agree he shouldn't have said that. Rather, that those words which were exposed uh, with mouths, <laughs> not with, with flashlights stir the shadows of an ancient curse. So they don't know what they did wrong. All they know is their non-attention to the external world, to anything outside of their partying, is the cause of the city uh, coming into a shuddering dawn. It's almost like an earthquake destroys the city and levels it. But revealing what? The blackness that lays under... that the. The blackness that, uh, the way I've drawn it, is the shadow of the forest. But it isn't. It's in the earth. It's in the dirt. So, I guess that's where I'm disagreeing. I, I, I don't think of it as, as lower and in. I think of it as pervasive and everywhere. It's the primal wood. I, 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 I see what you're saying, but I think it's both. I, I also want to think about like the, the cause of light and what night is for. So... I always think about Lovecraft. He liked walking, but he especially liked night walks. And one of the things you see in a night walk is not, you know, the colors of the ho- the houses, but rather it's the light of the stars. The people of this city do not observe the night. They do not get their telescopes out. Their city is, uh, in my view, it would be one like the ones we have. It's light pollution. It's focused <laughs> on itself. It is not focused on the external. And when you get out a telescope and you, you sit on the edge of a, a city because it's, you need to get away from the light pollution of the city, and you point your telescope up at uh, distant uh, starry uh, celestial objects, what you find is you're not just looking back uh, into the sky at things far away. You're also looking back in time. And so, yes, that primal nature of this story... It, it's 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 like it's this is impossible the sun can't flee so it's a metaphor right the whole oh, the whole thing's a metaphor he is a very uh 
naturalistic guy, but he's also using this sense that there's a cycle and things can cause a a break that will break what we think of as is just you know it's just another night it's just another party it's just another and then there's nothing and everything's gone and there's there's no when you get a telescope out and you point it at a distant object that is light years away or uh millions of years in the past it really puts you in a different place than when you're in a somebody's house that's lit up at night i i picture all of these marvels and riots as happening at night i maybe that's not to be read in here but i think there is some play between the light of of the sun coming up and and seeing the darkness that is there stirred up and and the unattention it's 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 why people light up the night it's why people want to party at night it's because they're afraid of something is what i'm thinking i i, I think that i think the the uh the insight into human nature that you are sharing is is what part of what's going on here but i don't think that the last line about the sun going away is metaphorical i think it's meant to be literal in the platonic world that's described i think that the blackness that the dawn shudders um when it confronts this blackness that it had only been possible to have a world of day and night and day and night because some call it a deity I don't want to say God because too many people um, immediately presume uh, benevolence. Um, But some deity, something has restrained the eternal primal darkness, which makes a place for dark and light, dark and light, dark and light. Mm -hmm. Um, When I said that it strikes me as having to do with human nature versus nature, it occurs to me that in a way that primal, the blackness of the primal wood may in fact be original sin. It's, it it can be read that way, yeah. Right. The, so the primal wood could be thought of as not Eden per se, but, but like that first forest that God created and allowed humanity to inhabit, but humanity became interested in its revelings. And with that reveling, um, they were cast out and then began something else. Now, what has returned because the word was spoken is that initial blackness, which God had restrained to make a place for humanity. Our original sin is not recognizing the sanctity of the world that had been created for us. And the sanctity doesn't mean recognizing that we live in primal eternal blackness. We don't. We've been given something better than that, but we cut it down. So I see this as a pre-Aquinian understanding of original sin and how we had been spared from it, and then we spoke something that changed the way everything looked 
he spoke the word and there was light. As Tolkien says, man is a sub-creator. What he sub-creates here is the resurrection, not of the light. I am the resurrection and the light, but the resurrection of the blackness. Yeah, there is a parallel um, in the structure. Uh, The second line of the first stanza is, of forest night had hid eternal things. That forest night is paralleled in the second to last sentence, or second to last line in the final stanza. The shuddering dawn, no single stone revealed. So we've got forest night and shuddering dawn. And it is, uh, you know, the creation of the world in the Bible by... Uh, speaking the word and separating the light from the darkness, um, that cycle of day and night um, is about time. And it's it's like a reset <laughs> in a certain yeah. sense. I think you can read it, that, that the wood is back. But it doesn't necessarily read that way. It is the darkness the, or the blackness of a primal wood, which... When we're in a forest, we know we're not in civilization. And yet, aisles of a city are much like aisles of forest. In fact, it's much more like, we're more, more likely to think of, you know, the streets of Manhattan with these long roads and high buildings reaching up in pinnacles high above us. And thinking of that as a forest is strange, but of course they shadow too but not in the same way as a forest does. And a forest is not a place for a, for a party, whereas the city is. They, I, I, I think it's so important that it is they cut it down. We don't even know who they are yet. We don't even know where we are yet. And yet we know exactly from the title, the wood. They cut it down. And that's not the sin. The sin is something they didn't even know what it was. It was some careless verse, one purple night, one, he just said the magic word, the one wrong thing, and it brings everything to an end. And that danger always exists. That's what Lovecraft is telling us, because one day we may find out the consequences of the reality that there's always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio.com.